Greetings from the Athletics Recreation Center. A few pre-pod announcements for you. Children are to be under the supervision of a parent or guardian at all times. Valparaiso University is a smoke-free campus. Please refrain from using tobacco products anywhere on university property. We thank you for your cooperation. And now your hosts from Las Vegas, Nevada, Parker Gatewood, and from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Paul Oren. Welcome to Union Street Hoops! Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops, a podcast dedicated to Valparaiso basketball and the Missouri Valley Conference. I'm your host, Paul Oren, and you can find me on Twitter at NWIOren, and you can find Union Street Hoops all over the internet on iTunes, SoundCloud, and NWI.com. It's mid-July, and it is a crazy sports time of the year. We've got Major League Baseball starting to heat up. The trade deadline right around the corner. All-Star game coming up. You've got uh, the World Cup final. You've got the World Series of Poker final table. You've got NBA Summer League going crazy, free agency, and you've also got NFL training camp. In, In the midst of all of that, you have... A crazy couple weeks, really last month for the Valparaiso basketball program. There really hasn't been an element of the program that hasn't been touched by some point of news at some point, and we've got a lot of that to go through today. And, uh, and let's start at the top with the roster. Valpo basketball has finally filled their final uh, their final scholarship spots, as, as you know, getting uh, late into uh, into the year here, in the recruiting year, they had multiple openings after uh, Tavon Walker and Max Joseph graduated. Parker Hazen departed the program. Still, I don't believe, has found a landing spot or has picked a landing spot. Uh, Martin Linson transferred to UNC Wilmington, and that kind of inexplicably opened up a a number of scholarships there, plus losing Joe Burton last year. And so into the summer, Matt Loddick and the coaching staff, which for a while was Matt Loddick and Luke Gore, which we'll touch on that in a little bit, uh, really started to go to work. And they they landed Aaron Gordon, a transfer out of Seton Hall, which we've talked about on here before, uh, the brother of NBA Houston Rockets guard Eric Gordon. And Aaron comes from a very... uh, prestigious family down in Indy, uh, AAU family, Eric Gordon Sr. Uh, had a chance to meet him, excellent guy, and uh, and Aaron Gordon will sit out a year and should be a, a really excellent addition to Valpo, a top 100 player, I think, coming out of high school. Uh, if, if not top 100, he was pretty close to that. Um, but then, you know, there was kind of, it tailed off a bit, and there were two scholarship openings for a while, and and there really seemed to be question as to whether or not Valpo would fill those scholarships. So do you just park them for next season and or try to pick up a mid-year transfer a la Keith Carter? And uh, ultimately, Valpo has used both of those scholarships, the first one being on Nick Robinson. Nick Robinson's a transfer from St. Joe's who has danced around and flirted with Valpo for a couple, a couple times. If you remember, Nick Robinson went to Kenwood Academy, which is a high school in Chicago, and he was high school teammates with a gentleman by the name of Zion Morgan. Zion Morgan was committed to Valpo a couple years ago under Bryce Drew, and midway through his senior year, when Bryce Drew was still the head coach here, decided he was going to decommit. 
So he decommits from Valpo, ultimately ends up signing at UNLV, although he looked like he was going to do a prep school for a year, then went to UNLV and was at UNLV for a year, decided to move on, they'd get a new head coach there, and went to Wabash Valley Community College where uh, I, I believe he tore his ACL and sat out and was not actually officially on the roster at Wabash Valley Community College. Not quite sure what he's doing now. The scholarship for Zion Morgan ultimately went to Micah Bradford. And so Bradford joined the roster after Zion Morgan decommitted. But all the while, there was this other player, Nick Robinson, who was on Valpo's radar. And Matt Loddick recruited Nick Robinson quite a bit, was his primary recruiter. But to hear Nick Robinson tell it, as I talked to him earlier this week, he said, got along great with Matt Loddick, he was fantastic, but it was never there from the head coach. And I don't know what that means. Does that mean that Bryce Drew didn't offer him or, or what the deal was, if, if they didn't show a lot of love there? But ultimately, Nick Robinson committed to Indiana State, and then he decommitted from Indiana State, and he kind of reopened his recruiting process again. And at that point, again, it looked like it would make sense for him to join Valpo, and he ultimately went to St. Joseph's. And he went there, played for two years, and he played pretty well. And particularly the last stretch of his sophomore season, the last seven games, he averaged 14 points and seven rebounds a game. Nick Robinson's addition could be huge for the Valpo basketball program. And here's why I say that. Because he's proven he can play at a very high level. And... The, the transfers that Valpo has brought in that have been successful over the years, uh, Bobby Capabianco, um, you know, Shane Hammock is probably one of the top transfers that has come in. I think Shane averaged like two or three points a game at LSU. He's never really got the opportunity. I don't think anyone's going to dispute that Shane Hammock was an excellent basketball player, but he didn't have great numbers there. Aaron Gordon did not necessarily have great numbers at Seton Hall, and I think there's a lot of expectation for him coming in. Here's a guy in Nick Robinson that had excellent numbers at uh, St. Joe's um, and, and, and a guy that really is anxious to get back to, to the Chicagoland area, and I, I really think he's going to be an excellent fit for Valpo and somebody that uh, that can really help this transition uh, from this group now, and we're going to get into that. We're going to, in a second, once we get through this other edition that is uh, reportedly coming down the pipe, uh, we're going to get into the eras of Valpo basketball a little bit because I think it's an interesting topic. Uh, so we'll, get, we'll come back to Nick Robinson in a second. The, uh, the final edition, um, though not stated publicly yet by the university or by the player himself, uh, but sources close to the program are indicating that UAB guard Dion Lavender will take Valpo's final spot. Lavender uh, is a he played at Southern Illinois his freshman year, and then he transferred to UAB, and he was at UAB for a couple years. And he and another teammate kind of in the middle of February of last this past season, uh, they left the program. It just it didn't work out. It fell out of favor with the head coach. And uh, but but Dion Lavender is a guy. He's a guard. And uh, I think he's he's going to be a good passing guard. 
I don't necessarily know about shooting ability in terms of, of the numbers that he's put out there, but but it looks like he's a guy that has a really good assist-to-turnover ratio and can get the offense going. And so I don't I don't know if he's a point guard, shooting guard, where where we put him at uh, on the floor, um, but, but Lavender should be a, a good kind of role model, I would think, for some of these younger guys, like Daniel Sackey, a Javon Freeman Liberty, uh, even even some of the other guys on the uh, on the floor, I don't know that Bakari Evelyn needs a role model, but you know, again, somebody that has been around the block uh, and, and has seen college basketball and seen a couple different programs of college basketball, he was going to go to Maryville uh, Division Two school and had signed with them, as a matter of fact, and looked like that was where he was going to spend his final year. And then through a, a connection with Todd Townsend, one of Valpo's new assistant coaches, which we'll get into that in a little bit, uh, ultimately Lavender finds a spot here at Valparaiso. And it works really well because it allows Valpo to have a grad transfer, an experienced senior on the team, somebody who's been a part of, of another Valley program, Southern Illinois, and someone who's been around the block a couple times. And you still keep that scholarship open for the following year. So there's still, you know, I, I don't know that Brandon Newman is a realistic expectation anymore. The Valparaiso, or I guess I should say former Valparaiso, a rising senior who's now going to Mount Verde Prep Academy in Florida. But I, again, if you want to have a scholarship. I think you want to have a scholarship going into every year so you can bring somebody in or have the option to do that. So Dion Lavender, while not made official yet by the university, should be a, a, uh, the final piece of the 2018-19 program. And from this point forward, we will say as the 2018-19 season, it's this season. It's in next season will be the 1920 season. And that's where I want to go right now to talk about for a minute. You've got Aaron Gordon and Nick Robinson who are going to sit out this season and then be eligible next year in the 2019-20 season. And I think that that this has the potential to be really special for those two guys. The last two transfers that came in that had to sit out were Bakari Evelyn and Joe Burton. And this is interesting. I, I think that this can't be kind of understated enough or overstated enough, I should say. And maybe I'm wrong on this, but but I think it's it's something to pay attention to. When Bakari Evelyn and Joe Burton came into the program, they had to sit out a year. And the guys that were the leaders of the team when Bakari and Joe Burton were here were your Alec Peters, your Jabril Atacoya, your Lexus Williams, your Nick Davidsons, your Shane Hammocks, that group of seniors, a pretty talented group who'd just said goodbye to Keith Carter and Vashiel Fernandez and Darian Walker and E. Victor Nickerson and all of that. And so so now their era at Valpo was kind of coming to an end. They had one final season. So Bakari and Joe are part of the roster. They're part of the program, but they're never going to play with those guys. So it becomes a question as to whether or not I'm not even I have no way of knowing if there's were clicks on the team. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that, you know, there's probably a bit of a mutual respect between a guy like Alec Peters or Jabril Adekoya and guys like Bakari Evelyn and Joe Burton. Hey, I know you got game. 
we got game, but, you know, by the time that you play here, we're going to be gone. I, I'm, a, I'm a big Green Bay Packers fan, and I can remember when they drafted Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre kind of famously said, uh, it's, it's not my responsibility to get that guy ready to take my job. It's a bit different in college because you have a, a infinite timeline, uh, or, or not an infinite timeline, you have a, a dedicated timeline as to when your time is up. So my point in all of this as I'm rambling on now, this is what happens when, when I don't have a co-host, which maybe by the time the season starts, we'll figure that out. Uh, my point is is that Nick Robinson and Aaron Gordon are going to sit out this season, but they're going to sit out this season and then play with all of the guys who are on this team, with the exception of Deion Lavender. So they, it, it behooves them to become integrated with this current team. Bakari and Joe could kind of be on their own and, and kind of let that team do their thing. And, and so I, maybe I'm wrong on this. Maybe, maybe I, and again, I'm not saying that I saw anything that made me realize or think that, that Bakari and Joe had nothing to do with those guys, but it's just, it's different. You know, it's, it's just, it's a different kind of feel. And so I think that you're going to see guys like Nick Robinson and Aaron Gordon be very invested in the 1819 team and really big into practices and all of that because these are their teammates. These are their guys that they are going to play with. Alec and Jabril and Lexus were never going to play with Joe and Bakari. Okay, I hope I've – I'm not trying to wear a tinfoil hat here and sound like a conspiracy theorist or anything like that. I just – I think it's going to be different, and I think it could be really good. I think Valpo is standing on the doorstep of what could potentially be two really good years and the 1920 year being the year that I really do think that this team can do something special. I, I I don't think it's a stretch to say that I don't believe Valpo finishes anywhere close to last place this coming year. I, I think that they've got with Ryan Fazekas, the addition there, Javon Freeman, Liberty, the evolution of Marcus Golder's game, the evolution of Bakari Evelyn's game, uh, and, and hopefully for Valpo, a, a continued year of improvement from Jay Soroya and Derek Smits, as well as Malik McMillan, I think that this team is going to do very well. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to win the league. I, I think that, you know, very well for Valpo could very well be fifth place. You know, you've got a, a really loaded top group of these Illinois teams of Illinois State, Southern Illinois, Bradley and Loyola and cracking that group can could be tough I put Valpo right in the next tier with uh with other teams such as you know Indiana State could be pretty solid this year Northern Iowa could be pretty good have no idea what to think about Evansville or Missouri State or Drake with all of the the changes that they've made with getting new head coaches and and all of that so it should be a fun, a fun year in the Valley. I'm looking forward to it. Speaking of Todd Townsend from earlier, the, uh, the coaching staff underwent some changes this season, uh, this off season, Emmanuel Dildy left for Northwestern, kind of a tough loss for Valpo, someone who, who came in with a, a great reputation among players in Chicago and was somebody who, Really, the players here at Valpo love Tavon Walker in particular had a really good relationship with with 
Emmanuel Dildy, and and, and Coach Dildy's moved on to Northwestern, which is an excellent place for him to get back in the city. And you've got you know good good Big Ten team there that is is trying to capture some success. And they've got Chris Collins as the head coach and Billy Donlin, an assistant coach there. So uh, Coach Dildy left and and very highly respected. And then you have uh, Coach Ragland left and going to Utah State. And I, I think in another guy, very highly respected too. I mean, any anyone I've talked to in the area, anyone I've talked to in the Valley from his time at Indiana State in the Horizon League, from his time at Valpo in Northern Kentucky, uh, think the world of, of Coach Ragland. I also think if you look at Coach Ragland, you see the nomadic nature of this industry. He started his coaching career at Frank Phillips College and then went to Vincennes, where he was an assistant for three years and then the head coach for two years. Then he went to Indiana State for four years, where he was an assistant. He went to Bowling Green for a year. He went to Northern Kentucky for a year. He went to Valpo for two years, and now he's at Utah State. Much like players who transfer a lot or or coaches who move around a lot, that's what you're seeing. What's fascinating to me here is that there seems to be a good amount of job security in being a basketball coach in terms of you'll be able to get a job being a basketball coach, but there doesn't seem to be a great amount of security in staying at a job, if that makes sense. The industry has security. Once you're in, you're seemingly in. Uh, you know, I look at these NBA coaches that, I mean, you can win coach of the year honors and get fired, and then, you know, you've got five other teams clamoring to hire you. And it's just, it's very unique the way that this happens. So Coach Ragland, who really looked like he was a great fit here, and then he went down to Evansville to interview for the head coaching job there, and really I think there was a talk about maybe taking a lead assistant job there in his hometown, ultimately moves out to Utah Utah State, which seems like an odd move. I'm sure they've got a new head coach this year. They've got probably a boost in money, so I'm sure he gets a raise but a last-place team in the Valley, Valpo, last year beat Utah State in the non-conference, and uh, in the Mountain West is an excellent league, and it, it just it seemed it seemed like an odd move. But obviously, money is probably a big part of that, and uh, and and moving across the country. He's a Midwest guy. It just seemed odd. So, uh, really loved my interactions with Coach Dildy and Coach Ragland. They were excellent guys to get to know over the years, and. Uh, and, and they'll be missed. That said, really have enjoyed getting to know the uh, the two gentlemen that have been hired to take their place. The first one, who I'd never met before, uh, Coach Rob Holloway, is a uh, Chicago guy, had been at Eastern Illinois, but before that has kind of coached all over the different levels out there, Missouri-St. Louis, and then he coached at a uh, was it Kennedy King College program, I believe, in Chicago. He's done some JUCO stuff and um, – Coach is a is is a, a fiery fiery guy, and uh, I, I've enjoyed getting. I've talked to him a couple times. We did a story that was in the NWI Times earlier this week, and he's a he, he he calls himself a defensive coach, but a coach who's kind of done a little bit of everything. He shared a fun story with me that when he was in high school, he played Matt Lodick's team at a tournament at Niles West in 1999. And he said, uh, I said, how did you do in the game? He said, well, I remember that he scored on me three times. 
He said that Lottick came into the game with a, a reputation being a big-time player. He said Lottick scored on him three times personally but had 34 points in the game. And I said, well, how many points did you score? And he said, I, I don't remember. I That's me being a defensive coach. I remember how many times – uh, how many times he scored, and how many times you know he scored on me, and I, I just I thought it was it was good. It was a good insight as to uh, to kind of how his brain worked a little bit. And then the second coach that was hired is Todd Townsend. Todd is uh, he played at Marquette from 2001 to 2005. Played with Dwayne Wade for a couple of years there, and uh, he was uh, a fan favorite of mine when I was. Uh, a, living in Milwaukee and watching Marquette, I just saw a hard-nosed, you know, tough player out there that complimented guys like Steve Novak and guys like uh, Dwayne Wade and guys like um, Travis Diener. It was the Scott Merritt. It was a fun team. That that Marquette team was a lot of fun. That ultimately went to the Final Four against uh, Kansas and and had a a great run in the, uh, the tournament there. Townsend is... Great friends with Matt Loddick, and I I wrote a story about this about a year and a half ago when Valpo played Milwaukee, and that story ultimately won a award. I won an award for that story, a Lissagor Award in Chicago, which is uh, kind of a, a nice honor for that. But it was the story that won the award. It was is the the telling that they had, and and uh, it's just a great story, and and it's out there, and if you Google. Matt Loddick, Todd Townsend, Forever Brothers. You'll find the story. It was great. And we've talked about it on the podcast before, so don't need to revisit that. But Todd Townsend was someone who Matt Loddick looked at when he was originally putting together his staff back two years ago. And, you know, Jack Emanuel got hired and David Raglan got hired, but Todd Townsend was in the mix. And they went a different direction. And Lodic went a different direction. And I asked Todd Townsend about that earlier this week, and he said that they both had talked it out and that they probably overthought the process a little bit. They were they were so worried about their friendship that they didn't want to mix business with pleasure. And that makes sense. And then he said, but the more we talked about it this time around, we said, Matt has, this is a quote from Todd Townsend, Matt has got to be able to fire me, and I have to be okay with that. And they've they've come to a good realization, and, and they spent their spouses uh, were part of the conversation as well. I think it was a, a question of, you know, can we work together? Can 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 you take a friend and and put him on a higher plane and and have him get mad? And and I think what they what they did, and and this is what Todd Townsend said, was that you know, the time was now to do something like this. He's got a couple of kids, he got three kids. They're all very young. They're not getting into games yet or anything. His wife, Christine, uh, is, is they're going to stay back in Milwaukee where she's got a great job. Uh, Todd was working at Merrill Lynch after a year of, or after assisting at Milwaukee. He, he left that when Laval Jordan went to Butler. And uh, he said that he spent an, a year going into high school gyms and college practices and just kind of reinventing himself as a coach and, and never really leaving the, the industry. And, and he's re- he said he's so excited to get back into coaching and be back with, uh, with Valpo, a program that he said he had multiple recruiting battles with over the years. He was at Northern Illinois, he was at Drake, and he was at Milwaukee. And he said the notable one for him was Levante Doherty when he was at Northern Illinois he said it was a two-team race to get Levante Doherty, and he 
wanted to get him so bad, and uh, and ultimately Levante, as you all know, chose Valpo, and but he said that that players that he likes are players like Levante Doherty, and he said he spoke to the the character of Levante's family and and background and all of that, and I, I just so I think I think players like Levante. Uh, you'll see a bit more here at Valpo, which you've you've seen a lot in recent years. Players from Chicago and Rob Holloway and Todd Townsend, both Chicago guys, both guys I think that are are gonna continually bring in Chicago talent. And I don't think it's a a, a surprise when you realize that the first two recruits that have been brought in since they've been brought on board are Nick Robinson and Dion Lavender, both guys from the uh from the illinois area and so valpo has transitioned i think from a program that in the 90s and early 2000s was consistently hitting on european and international players and now you're seeing consistently hitting on players from chicago and players into indiana and it's it's a it's a change and you know they've they've had some open gyms where they've had 15 guys in the gym I, I can remember open gyms from the European days when there were four, four or five guys that were back because everyone would go home and go do their national league stuff or national team stuff. And, and here you're seeing a, a little bit more of consistency and, and, and that can obviously build to team cohesion and all of that for the upcoming season. This season, I, the, the roster is apparently set. You've got as guards, it really looks like five, to six players, Bakari Evelyn, Micah Bradford, Daniel Sackey, Javon Freeman-Liberty, and Dion Lavender. Marcus Golder, I, you know, I, I don't know where you put Marcus on the floor. You know, he played some power forward last year in the Valley and did very well there. I mean, I think he's a guy that you put on the floor, and I suspect that he will earn a lot of minutes for Valpo this year. Ryan Fizikas should play a ton. You've got John Kaiser, who... I wonder where he goes with his time and and how many minutes does he get? Because he, as as Matt Loddick has often said, you know what you're going to get out of John Kaiser. You know he's going to give you hustle plays and and all of that and, and hard nosed player. But you know where where does he fit in with the rotation? I think it's a great question and and I've seen him over the off season and no one's working harder than John Kaiser. Except maybe Malik McMillan, who I've said on this podcast earlier this summer, the guy has put on a sheet of muscle, and it will be interesting to see kind of how his career arc moves this season. And then the bigs down low, Soroya and Smiths. You'll have Robinson and Gordon sitting out, and then a pair of walk-ons are new to the program, Langston Stalling and Jalen Essex. Or Essex, I, I don't quite know how to pronounce the last name. And then Steve Helm is still with the program up until October when he goes on his Mormon mission. Uh, he'll leave October 10th, I believe, or October 20th. And then he is gone for two years, but he'll be continuing to go through workouts between now and then. Valpo's got a good roster. It's set for the upcoming season. And I think uh, I think this should be a solid year for the Crusaders. As we move to wrap up here today, I want to start talking about the professionals and We've got Alec Peters, who is playing in the Summer League with the Phoenix Suns in his second year in with the Suns, but uh, kind of a misnomer. He signed a one-year, two-way deal, 
So he's technically a free agent right now, but he's playing summer league with the Suns. And he did not play last year because of the foot injury in summer league. He's averaged 15 minutes a game in three games, 4.3 points, shooting 33% from the floor. He's 4 of 12, uh, 0.7 rebounds, and 1.3 assists per game. Needless to say, he has not had a stellar summer league. I don't know that he's had a bad summer league either. Obviously, the Phoenix Suns drafted four players this year, including number one overall pick DeAndre Ayton. And uh, they've got a, a new point guard there, and they've got Bridges there. And, and so minutes have been hard to come by on the Summer League team. And the Suns have just re-upped with Devin Booker. They signed Trevor Ariza. They've got, a, uh, they've got a roster that they're starting to put the pieces together in. And the question will be, where does Alec fit in on that roster, if at all? And I, so I don't have a sense as to what's going to happen after Summer League. They play on Thursday afternoon against Philadelphia in the opening round of the uh, Summer League tournament in Vegas. It'll be another opportunity for Alec to get, you know, potential uh, potential game tape there and, and, and to do some good. He showed he could play in the NBA. Look, he dropped 36 points in his final game, and albeit that was against, a you know, a roster of the Dallas Mavericks that night that were, I mean, they, they, they were all the stars were sitting in those games, but it was still those are still NBA players on the other side. And I believe the, the points count the same and all of that. So it'll be curious to see where Alec Peters goes from here, whether it's uh, another NBA, whether it's Phoenix, whether it's another NBA team, whether it's a G League team, whether it's something overseas. I, I, I don't know. It's going to be exciting to to watch. And uh, this is where. You really pay attention to the business side of the NBA a little bit. And then finally, we end today with some good news for Valpo and for just an all-around great guy. Ryan Brokoff signs a two-year deal with the Dallas Mavericks. Ryan was a you know a fan favorite here for several years when he played. Kind of uh, started off at the Australian Institute of Sport, comes to Valpo, moves on to Turkey, gets a, a sniff with the Denver Nuggets Summer League, several years ago, moves on to the Olympics and then plays three years with uh, a team in Russia and really has become one of the better players in that league and was an all-star and was doing very well until he fractured his thumb down the stretch of the year. And it really, uh, it was really difficult for him to be able to, uh, to get back into playing and he recuperated, he recovered, and then he wasn't able to play down the stretch. It was uh, like a contract thing. Ryan Brokoff sends a two-year deal with the Mavericks. First year is guaranteed, two years at $2.4 million. And it's he's not getting a huge raise from what he was making in Russia. He was making very good money, but he gets to play in the NBA, and it's a two-year deal. And if he shines in these two years, you have to believe that you know he's going to take the Joe Ingles route here, and he could get a huge deal if he plays very well. And I think it's such an interesting team that he's landed on in the Mavericks with Dirk Nowitzki and Luka Doncic, who are kind of the old and the new with the Mavericks, and Brokoff, I think, was appeals to both of those guys. And I, I had a chance to talk to Ryan Brokoff, and I I asked him as we, we sat down to on the phone to do this interview. Uh, he was in Michigan at the time. I said, do you mind if I record this and put it on the podcast? He said, no, it would be great. And, uh, and, and so 
the audio quality is, you know, leaves a little something to be desired. I think it was, uh, you know, I'm talking to him on speakerphone on my cell phone, and I had another uh, recording device I was using. It's not the the most uh, scientific way to record a phone conversation, but it worked nonetheless. And so I had a good sit down with Ryan Brokoff and, and able to uh, to chat with him about when did he find out he became an NBA player. What does he expect from going to the Mavericks? When did he know that he w- that he was an NBA player in terms of when did he know he could play at this level? And a couple other fun things, including talk about his uh, mother, Joe, who is a, a longtime fan of Valpo basketball. Even after Ryan graduated, Joe has continued to follow the team. And uh, I, I really I really hope to get down to Australia one of these days. I I've joked on this podcast before about my love for koala bears, and uh, I've got like a three-foot poster of a koala bear in my living room, and uh, I really uh, I, I need to get down there and, and see that. And obviously, Joe is fantastic. And then Ryan is engaged, getting married here in, in the next month, and uh, really everything coming up good for Ryan Brokoff. So uh, my talk with Ryan Brokoff is coming up, and then uh, that'll be all for this episode of Union Street Hoops. Again, you can catch it. Whenever we record episodes, it's kind of hit or miss during the offseason on iTunes, SoundCloud, and NWI.com. Thank you all so much for listening, and here is Ryan Brokoff. What's the initial reaction when the Dallas Mavericks call? Kind of take me through that process a little bit of how did you find out that, I, I know you went on some, some trips with different NBA teams, but, but when did you find out that you were an NBA player? On the fifth. Um, so when they made the call on the fifth, I was, I guess, very taken back that it actually was was a reality. Um, you know, it, it, it's been such a long process uh, for myself to to get to this point. Um, it, it sort of still, you know, it doesn't seem entirely real that uh, that, it, that it is true. Um, no, I'm just obviously very happy when the when the phone call came through, and it was a little bit sort of out of out of the blue, as you know, sort of uh, I'd worked out with two other teams, but but not the uh, the Mavs, or really had too much to do with the Mavs, and, and then they sort of uh, came through and, and and basically offered up, you know, kind of see what what I was looking for, and then what it would take, and, and that sort of stuff, and it all happened really quickly. So you know, it's it's, it's still a little bit of a shock, but it's uh, it's been you know amazing few days to sort of take all in, and all the uh, the family support's been, been pretty amazing. What you know, you talk about what you were looking for. You you probably were in a different position now than being an undrafted rookie when you know you pretty much are going to take whatever they give you. Having yeah. other offers, and reportedly there were a couple other teams that were pursuing you. Um, were you? Did you feel like you were much more in the driver's seat this time around? No, not really. No, um, you know, rumors are rumors. Um, you know, what's sort of reported always doesn't always um, reflect what, what's going on. So you know, it was still so early in the free agency period that you know we we heard there's teams interested, and, and obviously I worked out for, for quite a few and. Um, you know, they, they sort of said that, that they had interest, but nothing had, had come come out. Nothing had sort of sort of 
come through or, or happened in, in that stage, we're kind of expecting it to be later on in the free agency period, like sort of bigger names have been signed and um, all the, I guess the roster's sort of getting um, finalised. Um, so, so it was a little bit of a shock when it all came through pretty early, um, but... You know, the, whether there was other ones or not, um, you know, I I didn't really hear of any that had come through. Um, there was there was sort of more um, European interest. Yeah, um, that was definitely on, on the table. Um, but um, as far as the NBA, you know, I, I don't sort of know too much more. Yeah, and, and that's sort of was coming out. You know, and that's what I was saying was that there were, there were some other Euro League teams that had options. So I guess in regards to Europe, when they would call you or reach out mm-hmm. to your agent, were you did did they understand that you were waiting for the NBA? Yeah, we made it clear from the start. You know, NBA was was the priority, and then um, you know this is I guess I sort of sort of been you know my best time, my best chance to to make the jump over here, you know, not having some, not having um, national teams sort of this summer um, coming out of contract completely from Europe, um, you know, was, uh, I sort of sort of been maybe the best chance I'd have to, to be able to work out the teams um, where they can sort of see me in, in person and, and get a feel and, and not just um, watch me through through game tape. So, so you know, the, the European teams, we told them that from the start, we we let them know nice and early that, that NBA was um, number one. We had sort of been talking very closely with um, FS out of Turkey um, about a deal um, if something was not to come up in the NBA, and and you know that was a team that I'd be interested to to go back to if I was going back to Europe to, to play Euroleague to. Um, you know, keep keep building over there, but, but you know, sort of from the start, we told them that the NBA was was number one, and, and that that's what the focus would be. And then, you know, if they're around, if, if they still have interest in around, um, if the NBA doesn't come to be by by a certain time, then, then we would probably go over there with them. You got such an outpouring of support on social media from. Joe Ingles to Dante Axum to Andrew Bogut to Delhi to all these guys. Uh, how much does that mean to you when you see your, your fellow countrymen that have made the jump? Kind of, obviously, kind of put you into into their category there. It's uh, it's been amazing, and it's not just sort of this year. It's, it's been uh, the last you know few years. Um, Delhi, you know, I just put my name out there, and he was talking to the the Bucks and stuff about me, saying. You know, bring him in, bring him in, that sort of stuff. Really, really, um, you know, pushing my name, which you know, something that I'll probably never be able to repay him back for. To you know, whether whether it led to nothing or not, to to have someone support you like that and then believing you um, really meant the world to me. Um, and, and then all the other guys have, have been super supportive over the years. You know, Bob has put out articles saying he thinks I'm an NBA player, and uh, and Ingles has mentioned me too, and. Um, so when it, when it finally did happen and, and they reached out again and sort of said uh, congratulations, and, you know, it, it, it's it's a, you know it's a fun ride. You love it, but you know the work doesn't sort of stop now. It's it only gets it only gets more and more. And then I'm sure I'll be sort of bugging them throughout the season for advice. And um, you, know, you know they've already all, all been through the ups and downs of, of an NBA 
career and, you know, what to sort of expect. So, so they'll probably get to me pretty soon. You have such an interesting roster with, with the guy that's been in the NBA longer than anybody else, I think, right now in uh, Dirk Nowitzki, mm-hmm. who I... I think is coming back. You know, it's obviously uh, interesting with him. Um, and then you've got the youngest player in the NBA, I think, in Luka Doncic right now. Uh, and I don't know if I said his name pro- properly. You know, I assume you're going to try to learn everything you can from Dirk. But I mean, how much of a mentor can you be at at a young, at you know your age now to to help a guy like Luka get through his first year of the NBA? Yeah, look, it, it's going to be uh, it's going to be an awesome experience to to play alongside Dirk and to to, to learn and, and to to work out with him and sort of um, see firsthand what it takes to to survive in, in the NBA for for as long as he has and, and play at the level that he has. Um, so so that's going to be something I'm going to sort of soak in as much as I can, whether it's you know just this one year or or beyond. And, and you know, Luke is going to have uh, a lot of people. Um, looking to, you know, um, really sort of take care of him and, and sort of show him the ropes. And, you know, I'll be obviously someone who will, who hopefully will be able to sort of add another different, you know, opinion being more from, you know, um, outside of America and playing European ball and international basket and all that, which is, you know, he's done most of it already himself. But, but you know, being, being around the block a little bit as a, now, 27 year old. Hopefully, you know I can I can help him out in any way that he that he, that he needs. Um, but you know he's a, he's a pretty special kid already. So so I think he's he's going to be uh, taken care of really well, and he seems to have a really good head on his shoulders. Um, so I think that's going to be very important for him too, just to stay grounded and stay you know hungry to, to keep improving. DeAndre Jordan, I think, is signed to the Mavericks. That's the rumor. I don't know if it's. I, I I can never tell with the NBA year what's official, what's not. You had a a very interesting game against DeAndre Jordan in the Olympics. Uh, how uh, first of all, when you played against the Americans in the Olympics, what what was your takeaway? Did did you know when you walked away from that game that that you knew that you could be an NBA player? Or did you know before that? I think I, I I believed in it beforehand, but but actually going through that game and, and really you know pushing pushing the Americans and competing um, so closely with them definitely definitely had added fuel to to that belief and um, you know having a guard Kevin Durant and and, and guys like that uh, although it was sort of a you know a brief little period it, it was. Great experience. I remember you great. shut him down. I remember you shut down Durant <laughs> for forty-eight minutes. So, <laughs> well, we have very similar memories. I think um, <laughs> I'm not sure what the the film and the stats say, but we'll go with uh, with our memory. Um, so yeah, it was just it was a great learning experience and, and something that I took to heart. And you know, these guys are fantastic players and, and very talented. But you know, I don't think I'm, I'm you know leagues below them or, or or anything like that so so you know the way that we played and then the way I felt out there personally um, gave me great confidence you've played obviously for Valpo in the United States and you saw a lot of the country but I don't know that you ever got to a game in Texas uh, no. what do you know right now about the state of Texas because I can tell you I've lived in America for 38 years and I've never been to Texas 
never been bigger in Texas or something. I think mean, <laughs> kick on like that. Um, yeah, look, I, I don't sort of know too much um, from from speaking to people um, who have been down there, lived down there, or um, visited. Um, they said that uh, it's an awesome city and the, the people are fantastic. So you know, I'm looking forward to getting down there and um, finding out for myself and getting you know getting to know the city and getting comfortable living down there. And then you know it's, it's something I'm I'm really looking forward to. And uh, and I guess the best news it's not really news because it happened a while ago, but you're engaged. What uh, yes. what's what's the plan? Do you have a date? Yes, yeah, so we're going to go to uh, to Bali uh, the beginning of August and do sort of a uh, uh, destination wedding. So it's uh, it's going to be fun. Just keeping it pretty small. We we did sort of head backwards. We've got a reception. We did a reception here um, the 29th of June, and then we head to Australia soon, and then on the 28th of July, and then uh, I think August. Eight is the is the actual day that we're, we're going to do it down in Bali. So um, yeah, it's been a, it's been incredibly busy summer um, with with all the, the NBA stuff and and planning that. And, and you know, I haven't done much of the planning, but I, I'll say that you know I helped out. Um, <laughs> but it's it's it, it's been it's been crazy busy, but it's been you know one of the best summers, if not the best summer. You're uh, you wore forty five at Valpo. Will you wear forty five at the Mavericks? Uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm pretty sure the numbers open. So uh, as long as it's open and there's nothing against it, I think I'll uh, I'll, I'll keep the, the forty five going. And you know, Valpo, my junior career, my professional career, career. I think I wore maybe once uh, overseas. Uh, no, once for the, the national team as well. So. Yeah, it's, it's it's something that I've had with me for a long time, and then obviously I can keep it keep it going for for as long as possible. I'm sure the Valpo fans will be ordering their their uh, broke <laughs> off Mavericks jerseys. And, and and again, I guess this is the final question. Your mother is a sweetheart. She has been the the biggest Valpo fan when you were here, and her uh-huh. her following her following the Australian national team and what you did in Russia. Uh, yep. Will will she be coming over to Dallas right away, or uh, or will? Obviously, booking some travel to uh, get her to some games. No, absolutely. She'll be she'll be over at, at some point, whether it's you know right at the beginning of the season or, or throughout the season. It'll just depend on their uh, their um, you know work schedules and things like that. Um, but yeah, they'll they'll definitely be coming over, coming to watch games, going to stay with us. Uh, you know, it's it's one once in a lifetime opportunity, so so they're going to take advantage of it. Well, it should be very exciting. You know, Valpo did not have an NBA player other than Bryce Drew for 40 years or so, and then to uh, to now have two NBA players in back-to-back years, and, and uh, Alec ends up re-signing with Phoenix Suns, I think uh, Phoenix and Dallas will be a fun a fun game to see for uh, Valpo fans. Ryan, thank you very much for taking the time, and enjoy the rest of your crazy summer. <laughs> thank you very much. I appreciate you reaching out, Paul, and yeah. Dallas Phoenix, uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully uh, we match up on each other. That would be fun to be a part of. Thank you, Ryan, very much.